I was deep into Sorrel. I mean, I'd taken, you know, 10 grand, 15 grand. Uh, and, you know, all of a sudden I've got a million dollar plus portfolio. Welcome to yet another episode of the Web Free Podcast. And in this episode, I talk to Mark, who is one of the earliest users of SoRare. He started off with SoRare uh, when they when they launched the football tournament, and he's seen the entire thing grow since then. So I really wanted to talk to him in order to understand how he sees the game, how it's evolved. Again, it's it's fantasy sports. So for those of you who don't know what that is, it's essentially a game in which you compete versus other players, and the cards that you own, which are NFTs. Um, you, they basically score the same way that the players score in real life. So, so Rare has been around for a few years. They've had an, an appearance on Bankless. They've gotten a large round of investment in September 2021. So the company is valued really highly. And they're one of the only companies that have the, the IP rights to most of the football. So I'm talking about soccer for you Americans, um, all the major European football leagues, uh, NBA and MLB, which is something quite unique and something quite hard to achieve. So I wanted to talk to Mark about all these aspects, how he sees the football league, how it's evolved, you know, from the beginning to uh, where now you have a car that was was uh, sold for over 200 ETH. I think it was 650K USD at the time in, in January 2022. So quite a high value for a card and why he sees a lot of opportunity in the recently launched NBA and MLB games. Full disclosure, I'm playing the, the NBA leagues, so I'm not invested into Sorare itself, the company in any way, but I compete in the NBA leagues because I'm obsessed with the NBA and I, I really love it. It's super fun. And because I see Sorare as a potential catalyst to taking a lot of normies and putting them into crypto because the way the technology works and the way they use NFTs is completely invisible on the front end. I really want to talk about it and make more people aware because if you like sports, I think this is a really good opportunity to get involved into something that has the potential to grow into something quite unique that can only be achieved at this scale and this efficiency using blockchain technology. And that's what makes me really bullish about it. And the entire conversation with Mark didn't uh, take away from that bullishness at all. In fact, it actually made me even more excited about it. So um, I'll let the conversation flow. It gets into a lot of details about how this game is played, etc. I hope you enjoy it and let's just dive straight in. And I'm joined now by Mark. How's it going, mate? How's how's your morning? Yeah, going well. Thank you very much. Already sold a, a Sarea card. Check my results. See, I finished a fourth, actually, in one of the basketball uh, divisions. 0.08 points behind a podium. So, uh, real fine no. margins. So, um, yeah. No That's the typ way. typical start to the morning. Yeah, busy start. What about you? The week isn't over yet, right? There's like still... Oh, damn. There's still tonight, but I think there's like very few games in the NBA one. I'm good. I'm good. We're actually like, yeah, we're we're doing well, uh, winning. Uh, so it's been a good week. Uh, what's been um, what's been your favorite World Cup game, and who are you rooting for aside from England? Ooh, that's a tough one. Well, I've got to say, I, I, I'm 
going to disappoint. I'm not actually not that patriotic at all. So uh, really? I not, don't really care for the international matches. I'm I'm so Liverpool um, focused that my only care is that the Liverpool players get back uninjured. And we just crack on again uh, in December and uh, try and recover the gap that uh, uh, Arsenal have uh, created in the Premier League. So, you know, I mean, Serrera, interestingly, has softened my, uh, uh, I don't know, tribalism towards Liverpool, if you like. Um, I do watch certain international games because of cards that I own on Serrera. So, I mean, look, who doesn't want to watch Mbappe? Uh, who doesn't want to watch uh, Messi play? Um, going into the tournament, I, I I was looking forward to watching Uruguay because of the Nunez, Luis Suarez, Cuartes uh, connection. They've had a disappointing opening two games, but they can still hopefully do something in game three. So still hopeful. But yeah, no, I wanted to see Uruguay, but they've uh, let me down so far. What about you? I don't really watch football as much. Uh, I haven't really tuned in, but I think I'm going to start tuning in like quarterfinals, something like that. I don't have a clear favorite. I don't know. For some reason, I don't want Brazil to win. Maybe it's just the European in me. So maybe I'm rooting <laughs> for France, which usually I'm usually I like France, but I know they have a lot of injuries now. So I don't know, but I'll, I'll tune in. Like if there's big games, I'll tune in, but like it's too much for me to like watch group stages and stuff. Plus like I follow the NBA, like it's like all, already so much like content overload and stuff for me watching sports. Um, so yeah, I'll probably tune in a bit later. No, That's really cool. So I, I, I've, I've done the intro, like people know why I wanted to talk to you. You've been like one of the, let's say the pioneers in, in Sorare management because you've been there like super early in um in in this company's life lifespan and particularly in football um so i wanted to know a bit about your background like how you got into so rare were you actually maybe we can go a bit before as well like were you actually into crypto um and like from your crypto passion you got into so rare or it's just like you're so passionate about football you saw so rare and you figured like okay i'll, I'll give this stuff a shot yeah, well, look, I'm not one of these guys that suddenly bought Bitcoin at a dollar or, or, or was in it, you know, 2013, 2014. Um, no, I think I'm, I was relatively late to crypto and it wasn't Sorare that got me in, but Sorare was one of the first projects that I, you know, was the first serious project that I got involved in. Um, you know, I think it was back in spring 2018, just doing, you know, and we, we talked off air about football manager and games like this. And yeah. I guess people that follow my browsing history know I like football games. And I suddenly got this advert for this um, football manager crypto, or I think I can't remember the name that so long ago, but it was basically uh, an ICO back in 2018. Uh, play, put some money in, you'll get these, you know, early adopter benefits. And they were basically building the equivalent of football manager on the blockchain. I was like, okay, don't know much about it. It was just a bit of a punt, a few, few, few hundred into it, and sort of like, okay, Q4 release date. No problem. Put some money in May, sit back and wait. What's the worst that can happen? Um, well, the worst that can happen is that that game is still in beta in 2022. I mean, it's still it's still, it's still, still surviving. And, and uh, to be honest, I probably lost the wallet that was involved, that, that, that the money was involved in. The promise of uh, getting some legendary cards was a rug pull and that was sort of like my first early or earliest transaction into crypto was a, a complete wow this is the wild west out there this really is yeah. uh you know you pay your money you take your chances in a in a, in a real big way um but from that 
the learning process started and you know joining forums listening out reading absorbing knowledge and eventually the next opportunity that came around was uh mlb champions which uh was uh again a a licensed uh officially licensed by the major league baseball association these little bobblehead characters that um i think were still ahead of their time there's thousands of them in people's wallets they still look very very cool indeed um the company behind it uh, was a company called lucid sites and for the first 12 to 18 months the game the game really you know just mushroomed it was like a really strong community i mean a lot of the people i speak to on a day-to-day basis now that have gone on to play Sorare, play Top Shot, whatever. They came and originated from this MLB Champions early community. Really, really uh, strong vibe. We did our very best to show the creators of the game what we thought the the baseball community would want. And, you know, we tried to direct them to, to build something which could have gone on to become truly special. Unfortunately, they had their eyes and attention on a spaceship game that they were also producing simultaneously. And I don't know, maybe it's wrong for me to say, but I see a lot of comments and hatred and vitriol towards Roam on NBA Top Shot and the way he's almost like dropped the ball in terms of how he's the relationship that he he did foster very nicely at the beginning with the community is just almost just completely fallen to pieces and it was similar to the, the guys that run uh, Lucid Sites. You know, they had our trust. They had everyone's trust at the beginning. There was some serious money being spent. People were really enjoying not just the collectible aspect, but the gaming aspect. We were watching Major League Baseball games, waking up the next morning, opening rewards, crafting uh, certain NFTs to create unique NFTs. The foundation was in place for something really special. But unfortunately, it just completely fell by the wayside. Um there are occasions where these NFTs get uh, a little bit of news, you know, a pump by somebody that uh, uh, wants to, uh, to to try and uh, bring attention to themselves. But I think overall, it, it really conditioned people like myself to go, OK, that's another layer of risk. We've gone involved in a crypto project which has a major league franchise associated with it, and that was still left to fail. So again, when you're then approached by, you know, and this is how I first met Nicholas and Adrian at, at Sorare, is that they were obviously in the early stages of doing research for creating a football game, which had uh, some similarities to MLB champions. And the, the first thing Nicholas did was he joined the MLB champions discord. And so he could get a feel for the vibe there, the people there. And he could probably, well, he sensed straight away that I was a, a bit of a fish out of water. I was probably the token Brit in an American server, <laughs> talking about American sports and trying to find my way there. And we just got chatting and he, he just asked me straight out, I go, look, we're, we're considering to build a football game. If we were to build a football game, would this be of interest for you? And I was like, yeah, I mean, it, football is my number one love. Uh, if you could build out something similar to this and actually listen to the community along the way, yeah, I, I could see that being a recipe for success. And so, yeah, we rounded up um, a, a beta testing group of 30 of us uh quite a few people were from that mlb champions um background in the beginning there was probably a higher concentration of people that were familiar with crypto and less familiar with football i was on the other side of the coin i was experienced in football but less familiar in crypto 
but between the 30 people we had a really nice blend of uh, of of experience and we were you know effectively the the think tank for uh, Sarah for, for for the for the early months so we started so out with yeah we started out with the the Belgian league which was the first league that they uh, obtained the license rights to and then we had a token West Ham agreement in there as well and so yeah for the first 6 months we played out games on discord then we started some auctions on the on on the platform itself and then that turned into a into a fiver side game but i think the 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 interesting thing for me was because at that stage i've been bitten by this first football you know ico mlb champions again it was like pff, that was 18 months down the drain and it was like okay i saw serrera as like last chance saloon you know if this doesn't work if these guys can't make a fist of it then you know, is this crypto space? Is it? Is it a scam? Is it? Is it? Is everything a scam in this space? Or you know, so Sarah was the first one that really was able to show me. Okay, there's people that are using the blockchain technology for good, and yeah. they're able they're able to listen to constructive criticism from their community along the way. And four and a bit years later, we're in a scenario where yeah, we've got a pretty cool game that's now spread across three sports with the promise of potentially more sports to come. Okay, wow, that's really cool. I mean, you've been there since the beginning, which I had no idea, and you basically helped shape the game, uh, and you probably had to force yourself to watch the Belgian League uh, for a while there, because I wouldn't imagine it's, like, too interesting. Um, but how has the game evolved? Like, how did it get... Because right now, from my standpoint, I think the way they calculate everything, the, the gamification of it, I think is really cool. Um, I don't know how football works. I didn't look at all of, of at football. I'm just looking at NBA. Um, so I don't know how, like what kind of stats they take into account because football, for me, like from for an outsider, there's like less stats that go into it. Basketball is much more, like you could look at a box score after a game and you know exactly like who played well, who didn't play well. Like it captures, the let's say the traditional stats capture like 90% of what's happening on the court, maybe. Um, and you can paint the picture like that. How has it evolved in terms of like gamification? Because I know they've had like, they've even had issues with like the blockchain technology, uh, like underneath it until they finally like migrate to this Starkware uh, stuff that they use in the background. Um, and how has the, like how has the game evolved since then um, as they've managed to get uh, the rights for more leagues, etc. Um, and I'm guessing the like the play style has become much more fun as well. Yeah, it has. I mean, I think you know, I think the overall challenge that Sarah has is is when they try to obtain new users, they have to show that the game is in its almost a finished, polished state. But the reality is, as you're probably finding out on the NBA side as well, the game is always evolving. You don't, it's not like when you play FPL or when you buy Football Manager or in, out, out on disc or, or through stream, Steam, you, you don't get the finished game. So with Sarah, you, you're always battling with what's going to change next, what's going to evolve, what needs to improve. And the scoring, yeah, started out very primitively. It was literally like you get points for a goal, assist. You lose points if you get a yellow card, a red card, or you concede a goal. Mm -hmm. And so the matrix, you know, really wasn't that dynamic. But I think at the early stages, you know, no one was really expecting anything crazy, you know. So it was more a case of we were able to test, buy and sell and trade these cards between us. The exciting part in the early years was every time a new new team or a new league was, was onboarded and licensed. Because, you know, as you said, we started with Jupiter League and that is a really fun league. 
and people sit back and go, oh, how did you guys get involved in that? That must have bored you to tears. You know, to this date, there's certain players that are around in 2018-19 that are still spoken of very fondly uh, and people will follow their career. And, you know, I think, again, we'll probably touch on it later on the collector side. You've got cards from 2018-19, which are these OG cards. There are very, very few of them. And even if the player isn't that exciting, I think for a lot of people, ownership of a 2018-19 card of someone that maybe isn't that mainstream versus owning a a more current, more, you know, perhaps higher reputation player from 2022-23, well, you can go and buy those off the market every day of the week. You can't go and buy a Hans Van Aken from Club Bruges in 2018-19. You can't go and buy a Junior Ito who's playing in the World Cup or an Achoya who's playing for Mexico. There are some real cult players that people that perhaps join Serre now are looking back and dismissing, whereas people that have been in Serre for two or three years have, have, have grown through the careers of these players with these 2018-19 cards. And they're not going to let go of them. Or if they are, they're only going to let go of them for you know a price which is reflecting you know uh, their their age and almost like nostalgic history within within the game itself but you know the the question that you asked about how the game's evolved we've now got to the stage where you can watch a game the scoring is is covered by opta and there are, i think are 65 different metrics that players are, are measured against I mean, i've just got nice. one up on my screen now from mbappe france v denmark from last week Two goals. How many times was he fouled? How many minutes? Yellows, fouls, errors led to shots, penalty kicks missed, duels, duels won, possession lost, interceptions. The list oh, goes wow. on. Okay, so okay, we're okay. getting we're getting to the stage now, and, and you're seeing it again on the leaderboards. I've just said at the beginning of the show, I've lost a, or I'm currently in fourth place in NBA on one league by 0.08 points. We went into, we go regularly every weekend into games where there's events that take place in like the 92nd, 93rd minute, which change the positions of, 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 of managers on the podium. You know, it could be a last minute yellow card. It could be a last minute goal being conceded. There are so many things that can happen within a match. Whereas previously, yeah, it'll be, okay, did he score a goal? Did he get an assist? Did he get a yellow card? Now he could be making a pass which, or he could be making a tackle, which gives him, you know, X amount of tackles won, X amount of jewels, and he gets a bonus for that. And so, you, you know, there, there, is, there is so many different metrics now, and you'll see people all on social media, you know, bemoaning or, or celebrating certain actions, not necessarily a goal or assist or, you know, a decisive yeah, yeah, yeah. action. It could just be as little as that guy took his shirt off in the last minute to celebrate a goal, got a yellow card, that person then lost three points and that three points has allowed me to leapfrog someone and I'm now in a, in a, in a much better position on the leaderboard. So it's, it's really crazy stuff like that that you're probably noticing, again, on NBA, some guy gets a buzzer beater or there's a blowout and some guy, some, a young kid comes on and, 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 and goes off, goes off for 10 points. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots, of, lots of different scenarios like that. And I think as the user base gets bigger and bigger and there's more competitions and there's more teams under license and there's more players in existence... These fine margins are, are going to be what determines victories, defeats, and that's again what's going to drive people to, you know, really wanting to get engrossed in in, in the fantasy as- aspect of of this game. So yeah, we started out with literally one point for a goal, one point for assist. Fast forward, and we've now got you know scores for absolutely anything, any action that takes place on the field. Wow, 
I'm super happy that it happens in a sport like football because I, I like I, I'm not aware of like the advanced stats in in football. So I'm happy that happens. Um, I feel like I should tell people. <laughs> I should have probably uh, mentioned this earlier in the interview that like basically what fantasy sports are is you build a team of players and whatever they do in the game. Just as you as you mentioned, like in football, it could be like a tackle, one or lost. You get a yellow card, etc. In basketball, it can be any action: points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, three pointers made, etc. Whatever they do on the court affects your score. In, in like the five man team that you put in so rare um, and outside of like you know like we're, we're talking about so rare in crypto but there's actually millions of people who play fantasy sports without having these incentives like without earning these rewards and making money it's literally like I used to play it just with my friends for clout like hey I'm the best basketball manager out of my friends you know like I want to prove that so it's it's already and i think this speaks to like the potential of so rare in the future because this is already a an extremely popular uh, way to enjoy sports and i think this adds like real tangible value to it nfts play like a really crucial role here um it also plays into the collectible side of things which we can talk about later but I also and 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 this is where I, w- I want to open the discussion about this versus top shots so that people understand a bit more. So there was this project you might be aware of it or might not be aware of it. I'm talking to the audience. You definitely know about it called NBA Top Shot on Flow Blockchain, uh, which I was really excited about primarily for one uh, reason that you mentioned um, before that they had the rights from the NBA to create these like video moments. They were basically NFTs with uh, video highlights from particular players, like super important highlights. Think, I don't know, having owning LeBron's like chase down block from the NBA finals, like owning an iconic moment and having the rights to it. Um, and I bought into that with like very little money because I, I, it was like, you know, the beginning of the bull run, it was like 2020. We didn't even know it was a bull run yet. It was like summer 2020. And I thought, okay, this is cool. I'm probably going to lose all my money, but fine. And I ended up doing like insane multiples on them. Like I sold, I bought a few LeBron moments for like $50 or $100. And then they went like way, like five, seven, eight K, 10 K for some of them. Like absolutely insane. But after the entire mania with NBA Top Shot subsided, Nothing really happened. I haven't. I haven't really like. I don't know what else happened because I haven't really been keeping um, touch with it. And what Sorare is different is exactly this thing that we talked about, right? Like it actually brings utility to the game. And by comparison, this is where I would love for you to to bring some some color to this. So I think some of the LeBron moments were selling for like ten, twenty k on NBA Top Shot. Maybe there were like more expensive sales that I don't know about. Um, but I know from a friend that Holland, one of the like he's he's an absolute monster in football, plays for Manchester City now. Um, his unique card, so you only get one card per player per season. So it's like one card, the only card that is being auctioned off during the season, went for I think six hundred and fifty thousand US dollars at the beginning of this year. Um, I, I think I think pounds as opposed to dollars. I'm oh, pounds. Actually. Yeah. I'm, I'm... Okay, so close to seven figures in dollars. Well, like eight hundred k dollars, probably something like that. Let's have a look. That's oh, that's insane. So, like, a card went for almost seven figures. Um, can you like? Do you have any other stats or or anything? Just so that people realize the potential. I think in football, it's 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 you know, like the game is developed already in so rare football. 
NBA is at the beginning, but obviously, since people know how crazy football has gotten, it's not like you're starting the way you started, you know, when football was at the beginning, where I assume you got like really valuable cards, what are now really valuable cards for much cheaper because there was like, there were no users, right? Like there were very few users. But what what are some like kind of stats that you could throw around for the football side of things that would just blow people's minds? Yeah, well, I think if you spend a week in the game, you've got the ability to search around and there's there's some cool third party data sites. Shout out to, shout out to Sered Data, which I think yes. you have to use uh, alongside your you know native platform experience. And yeah, if you start digging into any team, any player, you, you, there's just so much data out there now. I think, yeah, just to cover off, I mean, initially, I think when we started on the football side, it wasn't just a case of we were getting cheap players. Yeah, we were getting cheap players relative to what they are today. But we were taking a risk on the game succeeding or not. We weren't taking yes. a risk on, oh, is this player going to go and have a, a particularly great career? Yes or no? Shall I buy him? Yes or no? We were like, okay, we'll set our budgets. You know, and that budget for me was like, the budget was, will this game succeed? Will Serres still be around in 12 months, 24 months, 36 months? And the prices as we went through the journey, increased, but they increased for me in relation to, is this game going to still be around in 12, 24 months? You know, we know, you know, when Atletico Madrid joined the platform, even, you know, maybe that's a, a bad example in hindsight, you know, you, you, you pretty much thought Jao Felix was going to go on to become a superstar. So yes, there was part of the money that was going towards the premium that he was a 19 year old, first edition Atletico Madrid player. But you were still in the back of your mind going, well, I don't want to spend that money if I don't believe Serrera is going to be around in 12 months or 24 months from now. So, okay, I'll be a little bit more conservative. That's my budget for that player. Whereas now the people coming in, yes, okay, they don't have the advantage of being able to buy players at historical prices. But you would probably imagine that they're being able to come in with the confidence that they don't have to question is Serrera going to be around in six months from now or 12 months from now? So they're not going, oh, should I buy this Vinicius Jr.? Mm. Yeah, but I don't know about Serrera. And, you know, they've only been going for a short period of time. I like Vinicius Jr. Of course, he's going to be a great player by the looks of it. Okay, well, I'm going to temper that because, you know, Serrera might not be around. You can just go full on, head on. It's like NBA now. You're coming in with the with the benefits that you've seen Serrera have a three to four year historical track record on the football side six-month track record on, on the baseball side. If, you know, you're a Lakers fan and, and all of a sudden LeBron comes up uh, on, on the market, you're probably not going to be going, hmm, should I buy this? You know, is the game going to be successful? You can appraise LeBron versus other 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 uh, NBA superstars and go, right, that's how much I think a LeBron is worth and I'm prepared to spend it. So I think the journey uh, for, for those that got in early, they've been rewarded, yes, for, for being in early, as, as I think most games will uh, will allow you to to at least have that opportunity but i think that's also helped price discovery later on down the line as well uh, and it makes it easier hopefully for someone to come in now with confidence whether you've got a hundred dollar budget a thousand dollar budget hundred thousand dollar budget you should be able to come in now and there's enough data and historical trades that you can buy with confidence without having to speculate too heavily. And I think also this plays hand in hand with the, the game rules. Football, and, and I've, as, as much as I love the Surreal football side, I mean, there's always things that we think can be improved and, and hopefully there will be future iterations that will make our experiences even more immersive and, and, and fun uh, beyond what they are today. Um, but the nice thing I think about the introduction of the MLB 
and also the NBA is that the game rules, uh, I think, are much fairer uh, and allow oh, for and, and allow for more competition. So whilst you can turn around and say, "Well, Mark, you ended up getting a lot of cheap players in 2019," you know, and that's why you're you know performing well today, maybe. And anyone else that wants to come in now, if someone wants to compete in the higher end of of the football game. They're going to have to drop some serious coin. You know, you use a Harland, and I did check, I was wrong. Sorry, it was just over £500,000. You know, we had a Cristiano Ronaldo back in the day, went for a couple of hundred thousand dollars at an auction house in London. Um, my friend, you know, literally took it, took the NFT off the platform, went to an auction house, and sold a, a, a unique, the first unique Ronaldo when he was at Juventus for, you know, I think 288000 it went for in the end. But there are regular transactions that take place on the unique market in excess of 20, 30, 40 ETH. And, and probably, you know, this, that's, this is bear market numbers. When we were in bull market numbers, then, yeah, I mean, we'd be competing for the likes of Mbappe, Vinicius Jr., Florian Verts. Um, Gavi went for 90 ETH. Um, I paid 88 for Fatty. <laughs> Don't ask me why now. Uh, you know, there, 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 are, there are hundreds of transactions that take place north of 20, 30, 40 ETH. Um, and it's quite clever the way they put the auctions. They tend to put a highlight auction on a Sunday uh, in what's called a power hour. And you will see, you know, it might look very, very quiet, but I guarantee you there's at least 10, 15 managers that set their alarms because they don't want to see other people see things go cheap. And with a couple of minutes to go, the auctions heat up. And yeah, most Sundays you'll see, uh, you know, I think tonight is uh, the Messi unique, the second Messi unique. So again, they, they tend to drop the, the cards out at opportune moments, either when a player's in form or when a player's in the news. Um, I think the first Messi unique probably went for 60, 70 ETH. And now we've got a second Messi coming out tonight. So again, first Messi unique being last year. Yeah, that's right. So, okay. Okay. Cause um, they only got the rights. I would assume the past season to like be able to introduce Messi. Right. That's why. I think they've had PSG for three years, but Messi wasn't on the PSG okay, team yeah, yeah, in, was... in season one. He was still in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And they didn't um, have the rights. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So Messi first opportunity to purchase. Now, the interesting part with Messi is that, you know, I think when the dust settles, you'll look back at Messi and go, you know, you'll you'll know him for Barcelona and you'll know him for Argentina. So from a collectible aspect, what's a PSG version of Messi worth? You know, is he going to realistically win the Champions League with PSG? Yeah, OK, he's going to win the league again, no doubt. But in 10 years time, if you look back at historical cards and, you know, we want to say, OK, across NBA MLB and football. What are the true collector cards? I don't know. Maybe you, you know, from a from a basketball perspective, you know, I would assume LeBron is is definitely up there. And I'm only thinking because of what we've seen happen on on Top Shot. But if you were to pick three or four, you know, potential cards that you see now in NBA, which of those cards do you think will stand the test of time? You know, even after they've uh, uh, retired, and you know that, that there's no no further utility in the card. Yeah, so that's a good question, and uh, that segues really well into what I want to talk about as well. The fact that this game combines uh, the utility of playing the game that we talked about, but also there's a collectible aspect to it because every card that you buy is an NFT. And as you said, your friend took it off so rare because you can take it off so rare and you can just sell it as an NFT. Uh, And he did an auction, which is really cool. Um, To answer your question, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. Like that's I, I guess that's still the part to be proven, right? Like why would someone buy – they would buy a card as a collectible. I guess it's the same kind of thinking as people who buy rookie cards, like NBA rookie cards, like f- actual physical cards, right? Or they buy baseball cards. That's really big in the States. Um, so I think that would hold some value. Although LeBron, LeBron is old now. Like you're buying 38-year-old 38, 38 LeBron, but it's also the season where he's going to – set the um, the record for most points all time in NBA history uh which is pretty historic and the dude is playing like he's unreal at 38 years old he's absolutely unreal like it's just it's never been seen before um i think there's like huge value in the NBA as you mentioned before like the NBA is just you know it's one league it's easier um it's at the beginning right now so for people who are listening now if you jump in chances are i mean it could always get cheaper. Like the uniques next year, it could get cheaper if we're like in a really deep bear market. Um, but chances are these are the lowest lowest prices you're going to get because so rare, like everything they have going for themselves. I think they're like in a really good spot. Like they're very well capitalized. They're doing really well. They're getting more and more users. So I think the 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 edge in basketball is either getting the players who are at the top now and are young enough to still be at the peak of their powers in five years. Like they're, I don't know, like 26, 27, 28 years old. Usually like they, they're still going to be in their prime at like 32, 33. Um, or getting players who are at the beginning, either rookies or like second, third, fourth year who could turn into superstars. And then maybe you're, you're potentially getting like a lower price now because it's unproven. But if they become like a top five player in, in the NBA or like an MVP, imagine buying Jokic like six years ago, being able to buy Jokic and like like when he was fat and like barely running up and down the court. And now he's like top five player in the NBA, like two time MVP. Like his value went up like crazy. So you're basically that's what I like. You're basically betting on uh, a player's trajectory, tra- trajectory. And if you're following sports, that's like really interesting. It's it's like really fascinating. What do you feel about the like the um because it's 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 kinda like the collectible aspect of the game. Um just like you would collect moments in NBA Top Shot. But I think the added utility that you get, because we should mention you compete with these players in the NBA at least two times per week, and you can earn rewards, which are other cards, which can be quite valuable as well. I know in football you can also earn like ETH directly. So there's like can you talk a bit about like the collectible aspect, but also the yield, quote unquote yield that you get from actually playing this game? Because that can be quite significant, right? Like you can you can get like double digit percentage return on your investment every year, right? Yes, you can. And I and I think just to cap off the point from previously Comparing football with basketball with baseball, as I said, I think anyone now that wants to come in and compete on the football side has to drop some serious money. I don't know whether I, I don't know whether I agree with you one hundred percent on whether or not the prices on NBA will, uh, are at the bottom. You know, I think any okay. market, I think any market has the ability to go down, and I think if Sarah anything is proven through history, they want the games to be accessible to as many people as possible. So. You know, it's, I don't think we're going to get to top shot proportions where they're going to start flooding out thirty nine thousand moments of, of some random, <laughs> ra- random dude throwing in a you know a basic two pointer. Um, you know, the, the five thousand, one thousand, one hundred and and one supply scarcity is is set in stone. But they will push 
that out to people because they want people to coming in with $5 budgets, $20 budgets, $50 budgets, $100 budgets. And then hopefully, you know, as I say, it's not just about winning for, for a lot of money for a lot of people. As you, as you mentioned, it's, it's about the social element. And, you know, I know we're jumping from sport to sport and topic to topic, but I think one thing that's worth a mention uh, that will put this into perspective is that whilst this World Cup is going on, Serrera have pushed out their, you know, what they call Global Cup 2022 which is a hashtag. And, you know, this week over half a million people are playing that on a free-to-play basis. Now that's not going to affect, you know, the value of your Pazingas unique or, 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 or my LeBron jersey mint, for example. But what that's done is it's now put Serrera on the radar of 500,000 people. Okay, let's say take off 100,000 for the people that were already playing the game anyway. But we've got a massive injection of new users now that are now familiar with Serrera. Now, who knows out of those 400,000 new users, how many people might have an interest in basketball or baseball? Maybe they just have a, you know, there's not that strong a correlation between the sports at the moment. But that's still 400,000 people who are now playing a fantasy game on Serrera, looking at cards like Kylian Mbappe, Anton Griezmann, uh, Lionel Messi and going, hmm, okay. If they like what they see and they like the experience that they have over these next few weeks, and there's all sorts of hullabaloo going on, win a five-a-side, kick around with Zinedine Zidane and, you know, all these signed shirts and some really cool prizes. If only a small percentage of them retain and go on to the paid version of the game, maybe, or even if they just hang about and wait for further free uh, gameplay modes, you know, I think that's huge for Surya. Because again, what happens on the basketball side if they decide, you know, during the playoffs to open up a new free-to-play mode and they try and bring in another half a million fantasy basketball uh, enthusiasts that okay maybe 0.01 percent of them then convert up and start spending money like we've done because we you know have assessed the, the, the risks and the benefits and gone yeah that's that's something which we want to get involved in you know Surrey has done precious little marketing since day one you know they've always yep. you know grown organically through word of mouth and I think it's going to be interesting over the next 12 months to see if they turn that tap up on the marketing side, what is their reach? You know, how big are these? You know, we know they're big because we play in amongst them, not just on Surrey, but externally as well. How big are these uh, fantasy sports communities and how far can they be reached, you know, through social leagues and lots of different ways in which they can, you know, bring people in. Then the crux is, can they get people spending money? You know, you said collectibles, you know, yeah, we're still looking at cards. Let's not, you know, let's not, I don't think we should get overly excited here. Yeah, you might like the design of the cards. Fantastic. Yes, they've got a nice picture of the guy on the front with his badge, etc. <laughs> but that, you know, they're not moments. They're not, you know, they are still cards. And okay, yeah, you can look back in time and say, oh, baseball cards of, you know, historic baseball cards and basketball cards, etc. Maybe they don't need to be glamorous. Who knows? But I think when you start to play Serrera, you may come in because you think you like the collectible aspect of the cards. But the thing that keeps you in Serrera is the utility. As you touched on, there's two game weeks per week, and that's the same across all sports. There's always something you can be doing. You should be either researching, you should be building up knowledge, you should be getting team news, you should be scouring the markets for opportunities to improve your collection, add depth to your collection. There's always a tournament, there's always something that you can be building for to compete in. And I think as long as your expectations are realistic, I think what, I think that, yeah, it's, it's almost they've been a victim of their own success on the football side is because it's almost like a fruit machine. You could come into Serrera, put your money in, and it pays out. 
You know, it doesn't matter. You can go to go and buy anyone. Buy anyone you like. And as long as they have a reasonable game, there were so many prizes. There were so many tournaments. And then it's like, well, hang about. My, my player cards are going down in value. It's like, well, you probably haven't been updating them. You know, you've as more teams join the platform, more licenses, more leagues, there's going to be better players. The player that was great in the Belgian league, and I'll go back to Hans van Aken as an example, he was one of the best cards that you could own in 2018-19. Club Bruges, centre midfielder, takes part in most um, uh, dead ball situations. You know, he's, he's creative. He's getting on his head on. He's scoring goals. He was the ideal player to have. The following year, when you've got Atletico, when you've got Juventus, when you've got PSG, all of a sudden Hans van Aken is no longer the top midfielder on the platform. Fast forward two years and you've got the whole Bundesliga, whole La Liga, uh, you know, most of Syria are. Hans van Aken is nowhere near the best midfielder in, in, in the world. So, you know, if you're holding on to these cards and you're not going through some seasonal maintenance, improving your options every step of the way, then you are probably falling behind. And I think that's going to be some, somewhat different in baseball and basketballs because we've come in at the beginning and you've got the, th- you've got the top 30 teams. That's it. The MLB is only 30 teams. The NBA is only 30 teams. You have you can't get any higher. It's not like we're going to have the NBA and then there's all NBA Super League on top of that. The NBA is the cream of the crop. That's all the best players in the world. So if you go and buy the Jokic today or Doncic today, unless someone emerges from, as you said, one of these younger rookies that comes through two or three, four years later and establishes themselves even more, you can't buy better than Doncic. You can't yep. buy better than Jokic. So, you know, already if you're building your collection now, you have the chance to come in at the at the pinnacle of the sport and compete with the best players. We never had that opportunity. We've still not had the Premier League come to Surrey. If there's a you know a strong rumours that are growing every day that the Premier League is very very close to joining Surrey, and if that happens, that's almost like the missing piece of the jigsaw that will give them Premier League, Bundesliga, La Liga, most of Serie A, and most of Liga. You know the rest. You know as as much as we might love to get up at three o'clock in the morning to watch K League or J League, it's incidental. Surrey would have pretty much nailed every single major license if they can onboard the Premier League. And at that point, we can all play the game with whichever grade quality of player that we want. We can just go for complete superstars like Haaland. And if you've got five million or if you work for a fund and you get given the, <laughs> and you get given the tools to go and buy whoever you want, you can just go and buy who, whoever you want. And there's no caps on the gameplay at the moment. Certain tournaments do prohibit you from playing five superstars in one lineup. Um, but again, I think that's the beauty of NBA and MLB is that I think we could fast forward and we could listen back to this podcast in 12 months or 18 months from now, and you could invite a friend to play NBA. They could go to the transfer market. They could buy five competitive players that week for a reasonable price, and they would have a genuine chance of winning a prize that game week. Whereas in football, I would debate someone being able to come in on week one, go to the market, even if they know the sport, buy five players and have a chance of, of, of performing. And we, you have to spend so much more. Whereas I think you can come in on baseball and basketball with sensible budget, and you would not be afraid to invite a friend of yours and say, come and try this out for 100 bucks. Let's pick five players that we like this week that we think are going to get good minutes and going to score well, and let's see how we get on. And I think, on average, people will surprise themselves and go, wow. And that, for me, is enough to retain someone's interest and go, great. 
that's a new person onboarded. That person has got a chance of telling their friends, that person, et cetera, in a snowball. Whereas football has become more of an economic simulator. People are looking at it and going, I love football. I really love football. They've got my team on there. Great. I really love that. Then they look at the prices and they go, Oof, wow, you mean I've got to pay a thousand pounds for my reserve goalkeeper? Oof, no, no, thanks. And the numbers turn them off. So whilst the numbers for some people are exciting and luring and, oh, yeah, Harlan's off half a million and this and that and other, for a lot of people, that's off-putting. People are going, well, I've missed the boat. I'm too late. If cards are trading for that level, uh, as much as I love it, I've missed that opportunity. And I think where baseball and basketball have got a chance to be more sustainable in their own economies is by having game rules like we have on um, NBA, where you can only have one MVP and then you've got a points cap, which I think is really clever. Because otherwise... That doesn't happen in football? No. There are a couple of leagues. There's one called a specialist league and there's one called an underdog league. The underdog league, you're only allowed to choose five players who've got an L5 of under 50. So basically, you can't have it. You can't. You can't have any stars in that team. You might be able to have someone that's coming back off an injury, like uh, uh, for example, that hasn't played, and then their L five is is you know artificially low. But yeah, for underdog, you're not allowed to. Well, you shouldn't be able to select stars in the specialist. You have the option of being able to put two, well, one star which has a rating, a, a average rating of sixty or above. So you're allowed to choose like the equivalent of like an MVP in NBA. But two of the players on the five must have uh, uh, an L5 of under 40. So you're pretty much, you know, you, you, you've got two scrubs coming in. You two scrubs, one superstar, and then two in the middle. And that is a really interesting tournament. And I think a lot of people like to pit themselves against their, their friends and, uh, and their rivals in that division. Because I think if you win that, you're pretty much showing people that, I'm actually quite good at picking the right players at the right time. Whereas if, if every week you're just coming up against Allison in goal, uh, Kimmich in midfield, Neymar and Mbappe or Messi up front, well, you're going to have to find someone. You know, you're going to have to try and find a way to win where Messi or Mbappe or Lewandowski or someone that scores 30, 40 goals a season has a blank week and you've got somebody yep. from, from, a, from a lesser team that suddenly goes off on that particular game week. Whereas basketball, you know, most of the MVPs that I've seen, and, I'm, and I'm, it's not a sport I know religiously, but if I see Curry or Doncic or Jokic or Tatum, you know, they're all going off for 60, 70 points. So you know your MVP is pretty much going to be in that ballpark. Then you've got, you know, within the, within the points cap, the ability to have a couple of other players there that may be 30, 40 average that, you know, if you can get the, catch them on a game where they go for 50 or 60, fantastic. But then you have to find, and again, you said it earlier, going to the market, buying one of those players, got projected points of maybe 20 or 30, but their L5 on Serrera is showing as five to 10. That's the, if you, if you, and if you, and if you don't have that card, the chances are you're not going to compete. That's the only, that's the only thing that's stopping a, ga- a casual gamer maybe from, from competing at the higher echelons of the leaderboard is that a casual gamer would probably come on and go, yep, they're my five. It fits within the 120. Confirm. Let's see how I get on. Whereas the people at the very top of the leaderboard probably aren't casual users. They are probably people that have gone that extra mile to find that L5 person that is you know, projected at 10 to 20 points below where, where they're currently showing. And that's the difference. So... Yeah, I think you, you always get out what you put in. 
I think hopefully again as more game modes and more third parties create games which which hopefully will grab our attention and grab our interest as well there'll be the opportunity to attract more casual gamers but I still think at the moment Serere is set up for more hardcore users uh, professional users and professional that means either people that are prepared to spend a lot more time on it than others or people that are prepared to spend a lot more money and speculate on it than others as well um, and I just hope that the NBA and the MLB is, I want prices to obviously rise and appreciate, but I want them to be, you know, sustainable. I don't want to look back in two years time and find out NBA has gone the same way as football or MLB has gone the same way as football. And it's, it's just biggest wallet wins because I don't think then Sarah will have achieved their ultimate goal of mass adoption, which is, I know, you know, they're, they're not their North star. So one one thing that I find, and this will be the last question on Sora. One one thing that I find interesting is that they do have these different tiers. So right now, it's important to mention, like, if you, I'm just talking about NBA because that's my only experience. Um, but you can start free to play, like you mentioned with the World Cup thing in football. But the the tiers, like, it goes common, rare, super rare, unique. I think there's something else in between. I, I always forget the name. But basically, limited. limited yeah. So you have one in ten thousand, one in a thousand, one in a hundred, one of one, and limited. I guess might might be one of a hundred thousand. I'm not sure, but basically you can imagine because they have more supply, these rarities um, get increasingly cheaper as you go down uh, the rarity. So you could play this game with any kind of budget, um, and you would you would earn rewards from. Um, either your tier or the next tier. So let's say, for example, in the rare championship, if you do really well, you can get super rare cards. And in theory, this is not played out yet, but I'm guessing in theory, if you're really good playing with rare cards, you could build a roster of super rare cards and like next season or something you can, or even in that season, you can start playing in, in those leagues as well. And you build up a nice portfolio, etc. You could always sell your cards for money if that's what you want to do, or you can play in the next rarity pool. So I think like the way it's distributed really makes sense to me. Uh, and I had no idea about football being like that. So, yeah, that sucks. It's like, it's basically just like how European football has been historically, where if you're a club with a big budget, you can always win. Whereas in the NBA, the way they introduce, I'm talking about the actual sport, the way they introduce new players in is through the draft. So even if you're like a big market team, you're still going to have advantages, but you still need to draft well. Um, or if you want to get players, you have to trade them. So you have to have something in the first place in order to get the players. You can't just like throw, hey, here's $50 million and you get that player. So it's kind of reflected in the way that Solrare works as well because, as you said, there's like a cap um, every week and it really forces you to think um, not in terms of like, okay, because like, of course, everyone can pick Doncic and Giannis and all that. But the point is you can't play, usually you cannot play more than one of those players. Uh, and they can also explode in different ways every week. So sometimes Giannis might score better. Sometimes Steph, there's like eight or ten players that could all like be the top scorers in a certain week. But then it forces you to look further down the line and, and figure out based on matchups and like expected value, which player has underperformed recently that could overperform. Um, and that gives you, that's make, that makes you successful in the game, which I think is really cool. What would your like short advice be? to someone who's starting, who wants to start into Sorare right now? I know you mentioned like a lot about getting into NBA and MLB. Yeah, look, I, I think because the games are mature. I mean, I think we don't have the same opportunities as we had the early. Op the early opportunities are there, 
but that's not a reason that you should join. You know, the reason you should join, first and foremost, is you want to have a bit of fun. You like the sport. You know, don't join because you think, oh, great, I'm going to turn 100,000, 100 into 200 or 500 into 1,000. That might come over time, but that shouldn't be your primary motivation for wanting to join. Join because you, you know, you like the cards. Join because you've got friends there and you want to have the social aspect of being able to compete and beat uh, uh, and beat them. Um but join with realistic expectations. You know, there's there's no there's no magic way to suddenly make a lot of money. Um, you know, you if you've if you've got a knowledge advantage, use it. If you've got a wallet advantage, use it. I mean, there's there's always going to be ways in which you can you can take advantage. But there's people I know that play the game for for years that pl- place very little stock in the competition, and they just look at the transfer market and look for opportunities. You know, you've got people that are buying out, just buying injured players, waiting for them to come back, selling them back into the market again when they're back and fit. So, you know, you don't have to think, oh, I've got to buy the right five players and that five players. If I don't get on the leaderboard, I won't win a prize or it's not worth my time. There are lots of different ways in which you can enjoy and play Surrey. You know, there are people that are buying cards from the very earliest season of Surrey and just sitting on them. You know, is that a good five-year bet? Is that a good 10-year bet? You know, do they have to worry about having to get up like we do every day and set teams and get consume knowledge and, and be there? No, they've just gone and bought, a, you know, a selection of cards from 2018-19 when Surrey started and gone, that's it for me. You know, go and buy a few jersey mints or or, 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 or serial numbers that you like that you think might, might go on to become more valuable. It's not just about buying cards and competing. That is one of the ways in which you can get enjoyment from Surrey, but it's, it's, it's not the only one. But, you know, my advice is come in with managed expectations. Don't treat it like a financial simulator, because if you do, the chances are you'll get disappointed because there's people out there that will be better than you. There's always going to be someone out there with more money. There's always going to be someone out there that's got more knowledge or got the ability to go and get more knowledge. So play with, play within your means. Um, and as I say, try and treat it in the same way that you would treat, you know, a web two game or a normal fantasy game that you play anyway, because that's ultimately what Serrera are trying to create. They're trying to create a fantasy game or fantasy platform for for multiple sports, a way in which we can consume sports differently that just so happens to be built built on the blockchain. They're not selling it as a, this is a Web3 game, NFTs. If you look carefully, you'll notice they're not using these acronyms and they're not trying to, you know, force this new technology on people. What they're trying to do is just build a very interesting, very cool web uh, game that, as I say, just happens to utilise the uh, uh, the advantages of, of being built on the blockchain. So, yeah, pick your sport, you know, pl- pick a budget if you've got a budget to play with. You know, listen out. There's lots of different sub-communities that you can get involved in and, uh, make, and you know, content creators that you can follow to make sure that, you you know, you make the right steps or you at least make, don't make the wrong mistakes. But, you know, do what's right for you. I mean, there's, there's, there's no real right or wrong. It is an open, an open environment. And this, uh, so more and more sports are going to be out there. And if, if you like a particular player or you think a particular player is going to have a, a strong career in a, in a sport, back your hunch and go for it. You know, chances are that there's probably going to be someone else like you that thinks the same way. And if they join six months after you, you've got something which you might better sell them on for a, a little bit of a profit. Makes a lot of sense. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about how, like how you got involved with Blackpool and your Troop Cards project and all that, because I think it's really interesting how you you start you started from just playing Sorare and just evolved into different things. 
Yeah, um, sure. Um, yeah, I think through through Surrey, it's always been a, a, a personal project of mine. And you know, uh, I met Blackpool when was it twenty twenty one? So I was already a good two years into my Surrey journey. So at that point, I you know amassed a I think a, a strong collection of cards that was was putting me up in the leaderboards most weeks. And yeah, I just like the concept of of what they were were putting together. It was a collaboration of contributors that all came from you know a gaming background. And the idea was that it was deep I into Surrey. I mean, I'd taken you know ten grand, fifteen grand, uh, and you know all of a sudden I've got a million dollar plus portfolio. Um, but I was. You know, that's, that was my only exposure into crypto at that time. You know, I didn't, you know, I dabbled in other stuff, but because of my previous experiences, I didn't think there was anything out there that was worth me taking money out of Sorare to try something new. If I had, you know, every time I did well in a trade on Sorare or every time I won something or I sold the prize and I had more ETH, it was like my only goal was what can I upgrade? What can I sell out of my collection? What can I what can I improve? And I would always look to reinvest that money back into Sarare. And say so there was there was there was no other games that got me excited to the point where I'd sell a card for five ETH and go, right, let's take that five ETH out of Sarare and go and go and start something new. I didn't have the time or desire. It was like, no, I've got five ETH, balance is another five, I've got ten. Right, let's see what next unique is. Let me let me keep trying to compound up and, and, and grow my collection. But I do realise that, you know, I was too top heavy in and my exposure was just in one one game vertical. So looking at Blackpool and what they were providing, it was like, well, I can bring my Sarare collection to the table here, but I can have access to other games uh, with other persons like me that were, you know, at the top end of, 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 of those particular platforms. So for me, it was like, okay, well, if I do what I do every day on Sarare, if Sarare doesn't materialize or, you know, there will come a time where the returns diminish as the game matures, you know, I want to still be in a position where I can take advantage of new games that have got the ability to go 5x, 10x, 100x. Because I know from now on, you know, Sarare for me is not going to suddenly go 5x or 10x. You know, if I can get 20% this year, I think I've done very well. If I can get 20% next year, I think I've done very well. But then for me as an individual, is that really the optimum way that I should be managing the value of my Sarare assets? 20% is obviously a nice amount of money, but would I not be better off building that 20% inside a, inside a structure and then hoping that, you know, somebody, a friend of mine who might be managing a game with half a million can turn that into 3 million or 4 million and get a piece of that. And then someone else simultaneously is managing a brand new, we put some seed capital into something for a hundred grand and that grows to a million. And then we've got lots of different things going on within the, within the same organization that what I'm doing on Sarare just contributes to the greater good, but overall we're, 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 we're stronger together. So um, yeah, that's, that's really why and, and, and why I've pegged myself to Blackpool and, and representing them with uh, my performance on Sarare. And then again, it, it evolved. It's like, you know, we've touched on it again through the, the Sarare conversation. In order to stay ahead of the curve, you have to be making proactive decisions on Sarare, whatever you're doing at whatever budget. So it's not just about what you spend. It's about making sure that you are keeping pace with the, with the front runners. And even if your budget is $1,000, you can't just invest $1,000 and go, that's me done now. Thanks very much. I'll, I'll see what I can do. Because there's someone else that's next to you that's invested a thousand dollars, 
and they're aspiring to get to 1200 to 1300 to 1400 to 1500 whether that's in prizes whether that's in trading whatever they're doing so you you're you're realistically competing against those people and so for me in the unique divisions I'm competing against you know it's like having a top table at poker you know there there are people there that have spent 3 to 5 million dollars in the last 12 months to build a collection that now is able to compete with mine on a, on a, on a week to week basis. Now, if I let these guys spend another one to two million and I don't get involved, they're going to surpass my collection. And rather than me being competing for first place every week, I'm going to have to settle for competing for a first place every two or three weeks. Well, that's not in my nature. That's not in Blackpool's nature. So I've had to come up with scenarios where I can fund my future growth. And one way of doing that was through the Troop Cards project. And it's almost like fractionalizing my success and inviting others to come in and enjoy my success vicariously. You know, we've got a small sub community where we all share tips and ideas and and have some fun. But it's basically I'm able to sell an NFT. That NFT entitles you to taking a, a piece of if it's you know a third place, a second place or a first place finish. Um, but what I'm effectively doing is I'm bringing in revenue that I can then go and continue to strengthen my collection. So rather than having to wait until I win something and then yep. sell it and then decide, oh, what shall I buy with it? I've got a constant stream of revenue coming in. Yes, of course, I'm paying that away, but I'm paying it away when I win something. And yeah, in the first couple of months, it's been it's been really good. Um, I, you know, I know that you guys have, have supported me along the way. And there's 16 uh, people, I think, that uh, have now got eligible troop cards that have spent anywhere from one to over 15 ETH on these cards. So, you know, these are not cheap cards. You could quite easily go to the Surair market and buy very nice NBA cards for that money. But people have decided that, you know, no, we've seen, you know, what I'm capable of doing within, within the game itself. And in the same way that people stake coins and and so forth on on various different protocols i've introduced a way which people can can take a a fraction of 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 my success on on an ongoing basis but ultimately contribute towards that success so i bought a unique card yesterday on um on nba my only my second one i've got a very cheap one i saw that yeah was it was it ayton right you got ayton yeah deandre ayton so um Look, I, I can now compete in Division One, which I haven't been able to do till recently. So I don't think I'm going to set the light, uh, set, set the world on fire in the first couple of weeks. Yeah. So I've literally only got two uniques, and it may be that if one of them isn't playing, that doesn't even make sense for me to enter it. But at least I've got a ticket. And now, I say with the advisors that I've got, I hopefully can become competitive. Maybe I can get a podium in, in a, maybe in the next month over eight game weeks. I can get one podium. <clears throat> well, that podium should be a one ETH payout minimum. You would hope if it's a tier one card. Um, well, that's something which, again, I can then snowball and, and contribute back towards uh, my, my troop car community. So, again, if I can go on to sell, you know, this month, for example, over the last two months, I think we've raised about 40, 40 ETH in uh, troop card sales, maybe 45 ETH. So that 45 ETH now, you know what that the value of that is on the NBA market. Yeah. Yes, I've had a couple of things I've needed to buy on the football side as well. But at some point, if I have a 20 ETH worth of money coming in from troop card sales on a given month, my pledge is that I will reinvest that to go and buy maybe two more NBA uniques. Two more NBA uniques catapults me into a position where maybe I can get two podiums a month or maybe three podiums a month. 
and have the ability to still compete in the Super Rare and have the uh, ability to compete in, in other competitions as well. So it, again, if I was relying on my own money or if I was relying on money from the Blackpool Treasury, <clears throat> then then I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing um, with, with Without the, without the assistance of troop cards, because right now the Blackpool Treasury is not going to invest in mature games like Serer, where the upside is is capped pretty much because of the maturity of the game. You know, I don't want to be saying, oh yeah, there's a you know, for example, Messi would be a lovely card to own, but it would probably be a bit indulgent. You know, he has only got maybe a couple more years worth of utility. I don't really believe in the value of the collector side because it's a PSG card. If it was a Barcelona card, I'd be all over it. But mm-hmm, if, it, if, it's a, if it's a PSG card, I don't have that, that same belief in it. And the opportunity cost of me owning a Messi at 30, 40, 50 ETH tonight really doesn't... It's only going to give me a marginal improvement on my, on my potential results on the football side. Whereas at 30, 40, 50 ETH right now, if I was to buy three, four, five more NBA uniques, that puts me into a, into a much better position where I can actually then continue to yield off my football and I've now got a position, hopefully, to compete against you <laughs> on, 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 a, on a weekly basis. And I can try and uh, you know, maybe take a little bit of uh, the crumbs from your table. <laughs> I welcome it. I welcome it. <laughs> I, I love competition. Thanks so much, man. This has been like such, a, such an insightful view into, into Sorer and how you think about it. And I really like the way you, you keep expectations like grounded. For most people who are looking to to enter, where can people? I know you're you're active on Twitter, and you like I, I like the the videos where you're like showing off your rewards and like cycle through like a ton of cards. Like, hey, here are my rewards this week. Um, where else can people check you out, or what other resources should we direct them to? I think I think Twitter's the first one. I mean, yeah, I'm all over Telegram, I'm all over Discord, but. They're not that fun, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I've got a private Discord channel for the troop cards, but again, you need to open a, you need to buy an eligible troop card to to, mm-hmm. to get an invite for that. I think again, uh, I want to do a few more AMAs. So, I mean, if I'm going to give myself a plug, it'll be that I'll do some AMAs yeah, because I do appreciate that. Obviously, I know troop cards. The people that are in troop cards know about them. But if you're looking from the outside in, one of the biggest questions I'm always asked is, "What is the yield I can get?" And because of all the things that we've said today, the yield is variable. You know, first of all, it is a fun club. I want people to come in and want to get the benefits of, you know, we all get to talk to each other. We all help each other with DMPs. You know, there's an advisor for baseball. So shout out to Miguel, who he knows. I mean, he's if I know this about football, he knows this about baseball. And and Mike and Nick, who help on the NBA side as well. You know, it's it's a club. You know, we're all benefiting from knowing each other within that club. So if you say, oh, if I buy a troop car for one ETH today, what am I going to get from it? Well, I can show you historically what people have got for it in the months of, you know, October and November. But that's not to say you're going to get the same thing. Don't come in. I don't want anybody to buy a troop card because they think, oh, I'm buying it for one ETH and I'm going to get my one ETH back in six months. You may well do that, but that's not the reason to get involved. Come in because you want to be part of something. Um, And I think it's not just what you're buying with the troop card. I know that there are people coming in, you know, got two guys that come in and they kill it in the limited divisions. And that's no, that's, I mean, that's hard. It's hard. When you're you're coming in against 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 people, if you're consistently doing well in the limited divisions, that's amazing. So if that person turns around to me and says, do you have any thought about playing this person instead of that person? I'm like, hmm, I'm going to listen to these people. So it's not, I'm not saying you can come in, buy a troop card and you can dictate what my lineups are going to be. 
but we talk about it and we get a, and it's it's a good vibe in there because you know if that helps me improve my results that has a spillover effect to everybody and it's just that, that compound effect again of uh, of collaboration and it's happening you know what i'm doing with the troop cards is not different to what other side communities and other pockets of people are doing it's just that they're not doing it as transparently you know i think again going back to blackpool what blackpool have done is is they've put you know web3 gaming on the map in in a collaborative way uh same as some of these others lots of other good credible yield uh, guilds out there and uh, and dows out there that are, are, are doing the same thing and what i've done or what i'm trying to do with this troop car project is again invite and and and, and collaborate with others uh to stay ahead of the game you know and, you know and it is partly money driven because you need money to, to in order in order to do that but it's no different from a side community sitting there and going right well you buy so and so i'll buy so and so you and you go and buy this person then we're all competing this division and then, and then whichever buy munich striker scores we've all got each other covered that happens every week in Surrey, and it will happen in basketball as well you know you and i obviously know each other now but there are going to be people that are playing basketball that go you play curry you play Doncic, you play Jokic. You know, we'll have the same sort of composition with the other four players and let's see who wins. Oh, um, I see what you mean. Okay, 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 okay. And that okay. is happening and that will continue when, when there are good prizes to be won and when, you know, that will happen. Uh, and I say troop cards is really just a way of doing that in a very transparent, open way where it's very clean. You buy a troop card, you get access to a fraction of what I'm making on, on, a, on a week-to-week basis when I succeed. Okay, so... Let's do it out in the open. Uh, and I'm trying to, you know, and, and hopefully as a blueprint, others will follow. You know, one of my biggest competitors on Surreal, I know, is comprised of, you know, former poker professionals and existing poker professionals you know, that, that pull resources to buy the game's top cards. You know, we're very lucky at the moment on the NBA side and on the MLB side. That hasn't happened yet. It's amazing. It amazes me that all the money still flows onto the football side. And yes, you see some some of the people on the unique auctions bidding up. Yes, they've got deep uh, football collections. But at the moment, the NBA market seems to be very untouched. Maybe that will change when we see the Dontiches and the Jokiches and the and the Curries and the LeBron. And maybe we'll start to see some real big money flood into the market then. But at the moment, maybe I'm uh, you know in, in inviting unwanted money to the NBA table. Uh, whilst, this segment. Yeah, yeah. Whilst I've only whilst I've only got two two uniques myself, maybe I should keep quiet. But. The bottom line is, yeah, all that money is, is already being, there's, there's, there's groups of people that are pooling money to be competitive in football. It can only be a matter of time before that happens in the other sports, especially when you see uh, the potential prizes that are really within reach. So I say, for me, the Troop Cards is, is, is a really special project and I've met some great, great people along the way. And it's nice to see that people have bought into the same vision that I have for it. You know, yes, you can go and buy all sorts of, as I say, coins and stake them on protocols and, and get a yield from them. This is no different, but it allows for a little bit more interaction. If you want to remain passive, go and buy the Blackpool token and, you know, just sit there and stake the token all day long. But if you want something to, to be a little bit more active and, and be involved, then, yeah, I think the troop card is an alternative way that you can still um, benefit from Blackpool success my success, but also meet some pretty cool people along the way. And there may be other spin-off benefits as you would get in any, you know, uh, club or community. Man, I really like the way you frame things and the way you, like you promote it in like a very um, uh, responsible way. That was the word that I was looking for. 
uh and i like i really love the idea and it may, I, I can see how it can make sense for a lot of people but it's also like you put the you, the the proper qualifications in for people who want to get involved and i think that's really important um thanks so much man we'll drop the link for the the um, the troop cards as well so that people that's can amazing no thank you for allowing me to uh yeah to, to explain that yeah man thanks a lot for the entire chat it's been a i, I had a, i had a lot of fun and uh, I hope to see now, you. I hope to compete. I got, I got one. I got. Time. I got one more question go, for you, there, Dragos. Because every time I did a podcast with a buddy of mine for for yeah almost eighteen months, you you, you need to buy a Sarah player during the pro. So during the podcast itself. So whilst we've been talking, who did you buy? I didn't buy anyone. Do I right, have well, to? No, no, you don't. But I would I'm say actually- you know. You've always got to be you've you always got to be working, Dragos. You always got to be improving that collection. So I, I would was say actually, I was actually listening to you. It's crazy. Oh, that's that's <laughs> <laughs> I only did a bit of double check, and I double checked the Messi price. It was eighty thousand. It was eighty ETH, which was uh, back. Uh, that was the last one. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Messi goes for tonight. Um, Looking forward to it. I'm 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 just checking the the NBA stuff and following it closely. No worries. Well, look, uh, you, you're you're now my new benchmark. So uh, now I've got this second unique. You better start watching out because uh, if I smell blood, I'm, I'm coming for you. Let's do it. I'm looking forward to it. <gasps>